Hey, how's it going? This is Evan Jackson, video production director of New Life Church. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired today. Enjoy the message. All right. Well, I want to say thank you to Michael Sipek, who filled in the pulpit for me last week. I'm clapping, I hadn't heard it yet, so I don't know, maybe garbage, I'm not sure. Joking, I'm joking. No, I'm always very excited when Michael, Michael steps up and preaches. He does a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And uh, we, we had a great time on our vacation. Uh, it was one of the most relaxing vacations I've been on in a long time, so I'm ready to preach for about two hours. So uh, buckle up, here we go. Um, I would say today's going to be a buckle up message. Get ready. If you have been a Christian for a long time, this message is going to challenge you. If it doesn't, don't blame this guy. It's all the word. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to say it right off the top of the bat here. Right off the top. Boom. Today is a day of salvation. Get ready. Okay? Lord, I thank you so much. for the privilege of preaching your word. Lord, I pray that I would not stray to the right or the left of the text. God, that the words that are spoken today would be straight from your heart. Even if it's hard for us to understand. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would encourage us and convict us. Where we're in error, Lord, help us to repent. But Lord, I know that you are a God who also says, well done. So help us never to be under condemnation, just growing, sanctification. But Lord, help this message today to steer us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. The title of today's message is The Road Less Traveled, open to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 in your Bibles, and we're going to read a large portion. We're going to read 31 through 46, and uh, many of your translations will say something like sheep and goats, okay? And today, we are going to be talking about a very difficult topic. So this is the big, uh, big idea of the message today. Jesus' upside-down teachings consolidate salvation to the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. They consolidate salvation to the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Harken back to the title, The Road Less Traveled. Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of God comes in his glory and all the angels with him. Then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, 
and you clothed me. I was sick, and you, looked, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will also say to the ones on the left, depart from me. You are cursed. You who are cursed. Think about that for a second. You who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you did not give me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not take care of me. Then they too will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry and thirsty and a stranger, or without clothes, or sick, or in prison, and not help you? Then he will answer to them, truly I tell you, Whatever you did not do for the one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous unto eternal life. So you can look at this passage and make the assumption that we, the way to get to heaven is to do things. Right? To do things. That's... that's you read it and you kind of, oh, I got to do something. I got to do stuff. Unfortunately, that's completely the wrong way to view this passage. This is, ab- this is about allegiance, not performance. This is about allegiance, not performance. The sheep are those who submit to the rule and reign of God, who make his priorities and purposes their own. Who, who allow themselves to be led, who believe, and I want you, I want to put believe in quotes here because, air quotes, because today I'm going to radically change some of your, your views on the word belief. This, this hit me right between the eyes when I was studying for this. We have this namby-pamby, weak understanding of what it means to believe. Remember this as we study today. The Bible is very clear that the demons believe and tremble. So it's got to mean something else. This concept of belief, belief that turns into eternal uh, reward has got to mean something else other than just what we think of believe, right? So we'll get to this. So these sheep are the ones who believe he is real and put their faith and trust in him. The goats are those who kick against or buck his rule and reign the kingdom and go their own way. They may even be doing a bunch of religious things. They are not submitting to the rule and reign of God. Jesus is speaking to a group that is made up of all kinds of different people, including the religious elite of the day. 
He's talking to the religious elite of the day in this passage, as well as, as quote-unquote, sinners. Okay? These religious leaders, these religious elite, they were incomparably pious, yet consistently neglected the marginalized, the poor, the sick, and the downtrodden. They viewed those people, those people, as being outside of God's favor. Because if they were in God's favor, they wouldn't be in that situation. Because it's all about appearances and, and, and the way we act and these types of things. They claim that they would never neglect the Messiah, the Son of Man. Yet they rejected his rule and reign and replaced it with religious rituals and trivial lists of do's and don'ts. Ouch. Ouch. Can, you, can, can, we, can, we be, can we be real today, please? This should be biting some of us who have been Christians for a long time where the sun don't shine. Because this is real to us. We've got, it's so easy to fall into that pattern of, you know, as long as I do the right things, I am okay. It's not what the scriptures teach. It's not what Jesus teaches. So today, I want to talk a little bit about heaven and hell. Heaven and hell. The great Christian thinker R.C. Sproul was asked which doctrine he struggled with most. And he replied, hell. Hell. So that's comforting to me to know, to know that like even some of these heroes of the faith, right, struggle with some of the same, same things that I struggle with. That's a, it's, that four-letter word is a tough thing to swallow. Hell. Eternal, eternal punishment. We can't even wrap our minds around eternal anything. The doctrine of hell is uncomfortable to most of us. Even to the point of that we want to kind of sponge it away from our Christian theology. We don't want to talk about it too much because it's a little bit harsh. We don't want to offend anybody, after all. Our recognition of hell shapes our views. We have to understand that our recognition of hell shapes our views of the gospel, God's holiness, and our own depravity. If we don't accept the reality of hell, we won't rightly understand the glory of the gospel. It's a big deal. So let's tackle hell first. Jesus didn't only reference hell. He talked about hell more than he talked about heaven in his upside-down kingdom ministry. He talked about hell more, and he described it more vividly. He says in Luke 16, 23, it is a place of eternal torment, of unquenchable fire in Mark 9, where the worm doesn't die, Mark 9, 48, where people will gnash their teeth in anguish and regret, Matthew 13, 
a place from which there is no return, even to warn one's loved ones, Luke 16. He calls hell a place of outer darkness, Matthew 25. Comparing it to Gehenna, Matthew 10, which was a trash dump outside the walls of Jerusalem where the rubbish was burned and maggots thrived. See, he used Gehenna as an object lesson. He says, you know how gross it is over there? Yeah, just imagine that and imagine living in that, in that situation for eternity. There is no denying that Jesus knew, believed, and warned about the absolute reality of hell. Now, you don't have to believe in hell, but Jesus did. Okay? My grandfather didn't believe in hell. I can't do it. Can't believe in hell. It's, it's, it's out. I can't think that God would, would make such a place. If you noticed in the passage we just read, it says that hell was created for the devil and his angels, not for humans. But yet, it is a place that exists. Jesus has to talk about hell because eternity in hell is the fate of those that, uh, that awaits people apart from him. If there is no hell, there is no reason for Jesus to redeem. His whole existence on earth becomes unnecessary. So you could boil this down to say that hell, the, the, the existence of hell, is a foundational doctrine to our entire belief system. Take away that, and it all becomes unnecessary. Because of Adam's sin, we're all guilty and deserve God's eternal punishment. Contrary to popular belief, hell is not a place where God sends those who are especially bad. Whoa, that guy. He just crossed, he just crossed the line from like, okay, to really bad. Okay, God, where is that line? So this idea that there's like a place in hell, that the hell is a place for like really bad people. Like there's going to be like Hitler and Joe Schmo. He was really bad. But those, those two are going to hang out there with the devil and, you know. It's not how it works. That's not, that's not good theology, Okay. It is not a pagan, this is a pagan idea of the cosmic scales, right? It's not something that we do, uh, there's this concept of, and this is very like a pagan belief, this cosmic scales. Um, actually, is, some has, has weaseled its pagan tentacles into Christianity. That, you know, if you just do enough good things, then it'll outweigh the bad things, right? That's not how it works, unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, I should say, because it's possible. But it, uh, this concept is, is in um, the Muslim belief system. Good, bad, uh, weighing the concepts, uh, the, 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 the scales. It has, has its, some of its tentacles into Catholicism. This idea if you do certain things, you do the right, say the right things at the right time, you can get to that place. Um. 
It is not something that we do that separates us from God. It's something that we are. Sinners. We're sinners. By our very nature, sinners sin. We need a Savior or we stand condemned. And now we can see why Jesus needs to enter the picture. So we're left with two options. Stay in our state of uh, depravity and be eternally punished or submit to the Savior and accept his free gift of redemption. All right, let's talk about something a little more happy. Heaven. John 14, 1 through 6 says this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. See, I wanted to talk about hell first because then I'm going to because I'm going to do the same thing Jesus did. Yeah, okay, okay, hell is real. Let's, let's, let's lay that foundation. But don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Remember that word, believe. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. Now, that's a modern translation. In King James, you're going to see mansions. And there's a story of this old, older lady who says, I got a new Bible, and they took away my mansion. I got a new Bible, and they took away my mansion. Well, you, I guarantee you, if it's in your father's house, it's going to be pretty sweet. Don't worry about it. He said, if, if it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. Lord, Thomas said. Say, I mean, we're all Thomas, aren't we? Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The road less I am the way. Jesus says that he is the way, and the way to access the way (laughs) is through the belief in the redemptive work of Jesus. He says, believe in me. Now, this word believe is a Greek word, pisteo. Now, this is what this word means. I just want you to focus in on this for a second. To entrust a thing to one or to give fealty. Fealty is allegiance, devotion, fidelity, and loyalty. It's this concept of giving your protection, giving your status, giving your, your, uh, your security over to a king, and he takes care of you now. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you my fealty. This is what a, a knight would do for a king. He would, he would kneel down and give fealty to this king, and then he'd be knighted. This concept is, is, is bigger than just, yeah, I believe. It's giving one's allegiance, devotion, and loyalty. So you could read this in another way. Oh, you can't read it in another way? Because there's no bulb. So I'll, I'll interpret it for you. My translation, ready? Don't let your hearts be troubled. You entrust yourself to God in the same way 
it is safe to give fealty to me. Believe, believe. You trusted yourself to God. You entrusted yourself to God. You believe in God. You entrusted yourself to God. In the same way, believe in me. Or in the same way, you can, it is safe to give fealty to me. This is the road less traveled, the narrow way. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 13 says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. That's the easy way. The road less traveled. For the gate is narrow, this is the road less traveled, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Those who find it are few. And then it continues on in verse 15. And I want want to take a pause here and just say, there is no lack of biblical teachers out there I say biblical in a very loose term, who are going to make the narrow way, the road less traveled, try to make it more broad. And we need to beware of those people. 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from uh, thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. You know what that tells me? I'm just going to go there today. Be careful who you watch on YouTube. Be careful who you plug into your uh, your um, podcasts. Just be careful. You don't know them. You cannot assess their fruit. That is why the local church is vitally important towards the growth of people because I'm accountable to you and you're accountable to me. You see what I'm saying? You can look at my life, and you could say, is there, is, this fruit, is there being good fruit being born there? That's why this is so vitally important. This interaction here is vitally important. It's not just some disembodied talking head who could say whatever they want and twist this however they want, because the Bible is very clear that that's going to happen. And I'm not putting myself on the pedestal. I'm actually putting myself on the lower side of this pyramid. I'm saying, you get to watch me. If I'm not lifting you up, lifting the church up, and I'm standing on the top of dead bones as some kind of celebrity figure, you guys can know that pretty well. I I can't fool you on that. That's why the local church is so vitally important. So I'm not saying you shouldn't read books. I read books four or five at a time. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to podcasts. I'm not saying you shouldn't watch sermons on YouTube. What I am saying is, be careful. I have, I, I have a constant revolving door of people coming to me with ideas and thoughts of people that they've heard online. I go, okay, and we have to rein that concept in. There's no accountability there. So just be careful of that. Every healthy tree bears good fruit, 
but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Oh, we were talking about heaven, and we got right back to hell. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruit. We've got to be careful about and be on our guard against false teachers that tell us that there are many ways to God. They try to broaden that narrow path. Or maybe that God is love, so he would never send someone to hell. That, that whole concept is completely reversed. God sends somebody to hell. No, that's, that's where you're going. <laughs> He's rescuing you from that. It, it's not God going, ha, 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 I knew you were going to mess up. It's God saying, oh, come on. Come to me. Come. Believe. Give, give me fealty. I will take you. Or if you do X, Y, or Z, you gain favor with God. These are all thistles and thorn bushes that are not in line with the fruit of the kingdom. They are not consistent with Christ's teaching or scripture as a whole. Therefore, they are uh, subversive to the rule and the reign of God and must be cut out of our lives. Jesus said, I am the door. John 10 says this. Jesus again said to them, verse 7, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. You will come before me. Uh, Those who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. Please do not listen to them. Please. This This is sufficient. This is enough. This is more than enough. Make sure that everything you you put in your mind, in your ears, jives with this. I am the door. Jesus says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and, have, and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's what he comes to do, not God. See, we have it flipped over. We have this pagan view of like the, the, the Greek pantheology where you know, the gods are just ready to like whoop you. They can't wait to do it. You step... Guys, it's not about what you do, it's who you know. So he says, that's the enemy. That concept is the enemy. The enemy comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. But not me. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. That's what I'm here for. If there wasn't hell, then I wouldn't have needed to come and rescue from hell. I wouldn't have needed to come and pull you out of darkness into my marvelous light. Two destinations, only one way. So we're going to play verses here. Ding, ding, ding. Works versus grace. Battle royale. Ephesians 2, 1 says this. And you, me and you, were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's who you were. That's our natural state in which you, were, you walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience. Among them, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Paul is lumping himself into this. And we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Oh, this is just our state of being. But God, 
being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace have you been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming age, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. See, Paul keeps going back, in Christ, through Christ. It's all about Christ. He is the door. He is the road less traveled. It's all about Christ. For by grace have you been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We are not saved by anything that we do. In the light of these verses, it is immensely arrogant idea that we could ever perform a task righteous enough to be absolved of our sins. That stain of guilt that separates us from a holy God. It will never work out. This is a very pagan idea. This concept that we could maybe do a quest or, or do a thing that could re reach Mount Olympus or something. I don't know. It's very arrogant. It could only, always, ever be God who makes the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But that doesn't mean that our fealty, our fidelity to God, does not include a change of heart that leads to good deeds. In the very next verse, verse 10, Paul shows us this connection. And this is going to help us, help to inform that first passage that we read in Matthew. Okay? It says this, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in, here we go again, Christ Jesus. It's all about him. For what? For good works. Which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. When we give our fidelity to God, when we give our fealty to God, when we, when we come to God and believe in him, it changes who we are. The kingdom uh, priorities and the kingdom principles become ours. And we do what our king has exemplified. We start acting like that. But you see, the belief, the grace, comes before the behavior. So battle number two, belief versus behavior. Ding, 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 here we go. Romans 3.10. As it is written, and this is a quote directly from four, uh, Psalms 14.3, none is righteous, no, not one. Yeah, but pastor, I've been in the church a long time. Nope. I've never, ever had a drink of alcohol. 
good for you. It's probably been a thing that's kept you out of a lot of things in your life. Do you really think that that's going to get you to heaven? Good for you. There's none righteous. No, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by the grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There it is again. The way, the narrow road, the road less traveled. Whom God put forward as a propitiation, say that five times fast, by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He might be just and the justifier. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. A lot of sheep talk. Goats and sheep and sheep pens where the thieves come in over the walls. A lot of sheep talk. All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned every one of us to his own way. That's our nature, right? The line's here. Oh, we're just going to. And then we think God's back turned. <laughs> right? It's true. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus Christ, again, again, there it is again, laid on him the iniquity of us all. Lastly, last battle of the day, wages versus a gift. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. That's what we earned. Right? You can't earn the other thing. You can earn this. The wages, the things that you work for all day long that preserve you, guess what you get in the end of the day for that? Death. Yay! Somebody feel, some people feel like that's their job now. <laughs> I go to work every day and I just come home and feel like death. This is real stuff, guys. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5, God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, while we were still earning our wages of death, Christ died for us and offered us that gift. You can't earn it. You can earn death, but you cannot earn God's favor. Only through Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and here's that word again, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But that belief is different than what we often think about it is. Because remember the, the, the demons believe, and they tremble. So belief is that word. This, for, this word for confess, when you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, is a Greek word. Man, this is a tough one. Homologayo. 
Sounds like some kind of Mexican uh, food that you dip chips in. This homozygilo means this, to concede, to give in, to relinquish control. If you confess with your mouth, if you relinquish control, relinquish it, give in, concede. Stop trying so hard. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe, and that word there is the same word we used before. Same Greek word. Pisteo, to give fealty. That's the same. You confess with your mouth, concede, and believe in your heart to give fealty, to give fidelity, to give your trust to God. You will be Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That, that uh, call a name. The word for that is epikielo. I think that's how it's pronounced. You know what's really cool? I have this, this uh, program on my computer that you can actually ask it to read it to you because, yeah, there's no way I'm getting these words. Now, this is so, I love this one. This kind of, everyone who calls on the name, Right? Calls, you know what this means in the Greek? To take the surname of. Oh, I found that, I was like, oh my gosh. To take the surname of. That means you're part of the family. To become part of God's family. To call in his name, to take his name as my own. That's cool. Come on, that's cool. I found that. It's like, whoa! Greek is so much better than English. <laughs> to take on the surname of God. Whoever does that will be saved. Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we see Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm gonna have, I'm, Leslie, I'm going to have you come up and play the keyboard a little bit in the background. Give, play that Give Me Jesus song. It's, it's, right? This whole sermon is about this. It's all about Christ. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. I want you to just ruminate on this sermon for like two seconds. Think about what Jesus has done for you in your life. Have you fully believed? Have you fully believed? I'm going to ask you, I know this, just close your eyes. Just close your eyes, Pastor, you're getting kind of flaky. Yeah, a little bit. Just close your eyes. I just want you to get, I just want you to get with Jesus right now. If you, for those of you who have never believed, pisteo, given filthy, in Jesus Christ, I'm telling you right now, God is calling you today. It is my pleasure and duty to compel you to come to Jesus. You must respond to his call to accept his gift 
or reject it. There's no middle ground. You have to either accept it or continue down that broad avenue that many go down. Guys, this is heaven and hell stuff. Don't pass on this opportunity to take on the surname of Jesus and become one of his children. We can't, we can't count on our pathetic attempt at being good. Being good enough, right? To get us to that, you know, maybe like a golden ticket to Wonka. It's not how it works. It's not how good we are. It's not the way. Jesus is. Jesus is. Now, to those who've been part of the church, pious in your many years of good behavior, today is a day of repentance. You are not good enough. And your righteousness is filthy rags. Do not rely on them. Come to God once again and fall on his tender mercy. If you put your experiences, (laughs) religious practices, or rituals on someone else that is outside of Christ alone as the way, the door, the path. You must ask them for forgiveness. I'm telling you today, you have to ask them for forgiveness. You need to go to them and say, I'm sorry for laying that heavy burden on you. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And I'm sorry that I laid that on you. That was my experience. That was my joy. And I put it on you when it's all about Jesus. We need to ask that person for forgiveness and repent before amazing, glorious God and just say, God, thank you. It's enough to say, thank you, God, for the free gift of salvation. If you find yourself in either one of those camps today, if you've never given fealty to God, if you've never believed in that way, maybe you've been in church a long time, but you find yourself in the same company as the demons who believe but really don't believe, had never given fealty. If that's you today, or maybe you're just very first time this has been presented to you this way, and you want to become, you want to take on the surname of Jesus and be part of the family. If that's you today, raise your hand boldly. Don't worry about it. Nobody cares. If if you've been here for a long time and this is you, I don't care. I was hit between the eyes a little bit with this sermon myself. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And if you're in that second camp, as somebody who has maybe relied on your pious religiosity and have gotten away from it being all about Jesus, I want you to boldly lift your hand right now in repentance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Lord, you see these hands. You know the hearts better than I do. 
Lord, you've asked for the preacher to compel them to come in, and I'm doing that today. You do the work. You do the work. So God, I pray for my brothers and my sisters who have maybe relied too much on their own action, maybe even taught it. Lord, we ask for forgiveness. You are more than enough. Thank you, Jesus. For those who have never really understood what it means to believe and are giving their fealty to you today, their dependence, their love to you, they're believing that pisteo type of belief. Lord, I pray that they would feel in their very hearts the weight that is lifted as you put them on the narrow path, the road less traveled. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. So be it. God bless you.